Welcome back, everyone. It's What's on Joe Mind Special Edition 74. It's uh, with me here in the top row, the former head of marketing for the G.I. Joe brand. It's the hot show, Mark Weber. That's right. And in the spirit of things, let's uh, let's get this up here. And just Yeah, now we're talking. Oh, man. Oh. Let's start a fight. I didn't even buy Mark, that. Mark went to... Mark, Mark went to England and all he got was his T-shirt. <laughs> That's it. And, and the irony is I didn't even buy this last week. I bought it a couple of years ago to curry favor with the English soccer coaches over here in Rhode Island. So did it work? Yeah. Probably not, but whatever. It didn't hurt. Right? I'm in a UK state of mind. Yay. And as you see, our, our special guests today in the bottom row, uh, co-authors of of – Total retaliation and total hacks, and of course, most recently, total action force. Ooh, look at that! Darian, who knew? <laughs> Darian, it's good for fanning when it's hot. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, noted photographer Brian Hickey, and and noted uh, wordsmith Pretty Patty Lennon, who we just got his camera working again, so that's why he's Pretty Patty Lennon. Mm-hmm. But uh, gentlemen, how are you? We're doing good. Thank you guys for getting us back. It's great to be here. Hey, I'm glad we could accommodate you. Uh, we pre-show, we went through all the hoops that, that we're jumping through and all the hoops that you're jumping through. I won't. I don't want to bore the general public with it, but I'm, I'm glad we're able to to get together and sit down and have this powwow here because uh, we, we got to get your book over the top, man. Oh, yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. For sure. So as it stands right now, I'm going to go, I'm going to look get an absolute on the moment. Uh, we, go. we need to look this up myself. I, I should be checking it more often. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to read in dollars cause that's what my browser gives me. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you know, here in, here in the States, that's, we use that inferior currency, mm-hmm. but uh, currently a, as it stands, we're recording this on Saturday, the 23rd and we are at $29,838, which is about $8,000 short of the goal so uh yeah excellent start you you, mean over three quarters of the way there uh which is a much better situation than you were in for volume one yes Mm -hmm. yeah because that that was a a little bit of a sweat oh yeah but uh it all worked out (laughs) for you because that's right yes Mm -hmm. yeah i don't even have a coffee table and have a coffee table book right (laughs) That just means they get instantly upgraded to the bookshelf. That's legitimate. That's reference material. So, we'll I guess we'll uh, we'll we'll give a the easy question first. This 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 uh, volume one covers the beginning of Action Force at Palatoy as far in the three and three quarter scale. Gives a little bit of background on on what it was in the sixties, uh, and takes us through nineteen eighty five, uh, the Red Shadows years, if you will. So what's next? What happened after this that, that is going to get covered in volume two? How is volume two going to be different than volume one? So um, there's two Action Force toy lines, uh, to put it bluntly. Um, there is Palatoy Action Force, um, which obviously, as you said, we covered in volume one. But there's also Hasbro Action Force. Um, so when Hasbro wanted to start bringing over the Real American Hero product to the UK and Ireland, um, they bought the rights to the Action Force name from Kenner 
um, in uh, I think we got the date, wasn't it? Was it September 1986? That's it. And um, they bought they bought the rights to the name from, directly from Kenner, and they released essentially the the figures you guys got in uh, 1986, 1985 were released in the UK and Ireland as Action Force in 1987. So we tended to get things a year or two later after you guys, um, when, when Hasbro was done with the Wolves or, or the Tula and so on. Um, so what we're going to talk about is Action Force International Heroes, as it was usually called here in, in the UK and Ireland. Um, so it's the characters you guys know. It's Flint, it's Barbecue, it's Dusty, it's Lady J. But they're no longer Americans. They're all um, a multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi-lingual group. Um, called from across Europe, North Africa, um, and, and other countries. So some of the characters had their names changed. For example, uh, Dashiel Fairborn is now David Fairborn. Um, Which is an improvement. Uh, barbecue, yeah. barbecue is a uh, barbecue is from uh, Naples. Um, Airtight is West German. Lady J is Irish from County Cork. Um, let me think. Who else is there? There is. Um, He's going to do the whole eighty-seven line, right? Here. Yeah, I'm trying to think now. Um, you no. know, a quick kick, quick kick, quick kick is no longer uh, from from uh, in New York. He's now uh, he's now actually just from Hong Kong, um, and uh, and so on. So they they internationalized the characters for the for, for the market over here, um, and in tandem with that, when they were launching those um, uh, those those car characters again, um, there was a Marvel UK comic uh, created. Uh, to, to support that line. So you had what was called Action Force Weekly, which ran for approximately a year. And then after that, you had Action Force Monthly, uh, which was published in the States uh, by Marvel US as a uh, European missions. Mm -hmm. um, so you had about two years of comics uh, made by creators from uh, the UK uh, to support the International Heroes toy line. Um, so it's it's slightly different, and again, it focuses on different characters. And Hammer was 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 writing at the time. Um, you know, they they prioritized. You know, as I said, Flint and Lady J are the main characters, for want of a better word. Um, and and that's kind of what we want to talk about. Is the for for three years, it was just called Action Force International Heroes. So that's 1987, 89, 88, 89, uh, and then in 1990, it was uh, called renamed as GI Joe: The Action Force. And then afterwards, it was just G.I. Joe. So we want to focus on those years where it was called Action Force um, and talk a little bit about the, the products that came out over here and um, the comic, uh, obviously. Um, because, uh, and and uh, allow Brian to use um, your vintage three and three quarter real American hero figures and do some do some diorama shots, which is something Brian's been wanting to do for some time. <laughs> So yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it, it's it's picking up the Action Force story. So as Paddy's right, he says you know there is two versions of Action Force because the continuity from you know the, the mythos behind each is, is totally different. Um, but that that actual that IP transferred or was assigned from Kenner Parker Toy to Hasbro, and they you know, if you think about it, Hasbro had had a great introduction into the uk with the their their become you know, through via palatoy so palatoy were bringing in in 1985 they're bringing in hasbro product anyway and um, because that the the, the palatoy design department had been shut down so that was a really successful 
of trial, of market trial, for want of a better term. Not that it was intentionally a market trial, but it had worked really, really well. And it made sense for Hasbro to kind of to continue with its its, its product release and so to continue that 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 IP to you know, to take ownership of Action Force and keep releasing product underneath that brand because it was you know very well established in in Britain and in Ireland. So it basically, it, it's uh, we can call it Action Force now with elbows. <laughs> And knees. Action, action Force, this time the carded figures have elbows. Because, you know, obviously the vehicle drivers and Palatoy had uh, were, were repainted GI Joe product as well. I, I couldn't help it. That's a, that's a joke that I have used for several years now with our, our mutual friend, David Tree. That, uh, every, Never gets old. That, no, Never it really gets doesn't. Old. <laughs> and it's not like, obviously, I, I don't I don't hold any, any you know, obviously I hold the Palatoy stuff in high regard, but man, just to see the look on his face when I say stuff like that. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh. Beautiful. It's 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 the asshole's delight, is what it is. <laughs> I like I like that they brought barbecue over, Gabriel Kelly, and decided to make him Italian, right? Like, yeah. Couldn't you just Grim, make him Grimbaldi? Couldn't you just um, made him Irish and been good? Pretty much, right? Uh, he's 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 what's his name? Grimbaldi is his surname. I can't remember his first name. Uh, uh, so completely different. That like uh, and it's, it's 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 very haphazard as well because um Dusty keeps his um keeps his name, uh obviously you know, Tatter, but um but he changes his birthplace. Uh, so they they and they're very inconsistent about what they changed and where they changed it. So <laughs> a lot of them so some characters do keep their American heritage but actually change their um state of birth. So um so the the Duke was released twice over here. So he was released, uh, Palatoy released him in 1985, uh, and he was from Massachusetts. And um, when he was released by Hasbro, uh, Tiger Force Duke was released in Hasbro, he was from Missouri. Uh, so they just randomly just changed things for, for no reason. I actually noticed as well when I was when I was going through the file cards, uh, when I was going through the file cards last week, they actually um, Outback and Tiger Force Outback have the same name, but different places of birth. Ah, okay. man, man of mystery. <laughs> so he's uh, he's he's Scottish for his uh, you know regular colors release at the uh, at a slightly different name. I think he's Alexander Selkirk over here. Um, and then when they release him in Tiger Force, which is only a year later than his than his standard white T-shirt release, um, they changed him to be an American and, uh, and changed uh, his beard to white, right? And, and change his beard to white and change his place of, birth, place of birth to America. Um, so it's just, again, it just seems to be very, very inconsistent. But the funny thing is they kept Tiger Force Blizzard and um, Psych Out kept the same places of birth. So they changed them for uh, for for, um, for Outback, but not for the other guys. So it's it's very, very strange. It seems like, like they brought over Sean O'Callaghan and went, let's make him Egyptian. Thank <laughs> like, you. Isn't there a simpler solution here, boys? I mean, right, come on. Right. You'd, you'd think Gabriel Kelly would just be a layup for them. Yeah, come on now. Yeah. Man. Fine, right. fine. What do I know? Right. So, uh, so fellas, go ahead. Take us through. The, the Give us – obviously, I don't want to tell you to, to give away the entire book because then why why bother with the whole book? But give give us the nickel tour on that transition. What What was going on in the market? Why did that happen? Why why was why were these changes necessary for Action Force to continue? 
But I think it's interesting because um, they kept the GI Joe name for the rest of the European markets. So France, Spain, and so on kept used GI Joe. Um, I think it was just because Action Force was such a strong brand, even still um, in, in 1987. Um, the pallet toy stuff was still on the shelves because um, it hung, you know, it hung around after after it was sold, uh, sold. And Action Force was the second best selling toy line in 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 the UK and Ireland at that time. So I think Hasbro probably saw the point of, well, there's no, you know, if we can get the name for cheap, why wouldn't we just buy it and keep that strong brand name for a few more years? Um, seems to have been the thinking behind it. Uh, you know, there's an existing brand there. These toys are familiar to people already, although um, some of the some of the Cobra vehicles, for example, were, were released by Palatoy as well and then subsequently released by Hasbro. So things like the, the Moccasin and the, and the Stinger Jeep were released both by Palatoy and Hasbro a couple of years apart. So, you know, people were familiar with those with those vehicles. They were familiar with that name. And I think I think that's probably why they just went ahead and decided to buy the name from from Kenner. And if you think as well, you know, in terms to give you an indication of how prominent it was as a brand, Battle Action Force were running the, the Action Force stories. And I remember it was all the Hasbro products on the shelves you know, with, with Palatoy kind of the Palatoy Action Force branding, but it was Hasbro product. Th that comic was selling around 80,000 copies a week. 80,000 copies a week is what that comic was selling. And right. so like Action Force and, and this, and that ran with, you know, with Action Force up till, was it November, 1986? Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, you know, it was very much in the forefront of kind of people's, you know, or the kids' mindsets. Actually, as Paddy said, it was the second biggest selling toy. Like, it was huge. Um, so it, it totally made sense for Hasbro to retain that, to try and, and you know, start over with, with a brand new product line, brand new brand. Um, it, it, I mean, no, there's no doubt they still would have had a really successful product but they would have had to work a bit harder in the marketplace, being able to piggyback on that action force, uh, what we call it, the, 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 the brand the, equity, the brand equity, Patty. That's what it is. Yes. Um, it made a, it made a huge difference, you know, and it certainly made it easier to, to get all that new product in there. So that's the, the business side of the transition. Take us into the, the book side of the transition. What's the big difference for you guys? setting up volume two as opposed to volume one here yeah the main the main difference is obviously is that there was none of the design was done here um we don't have designers to interview because it's repackaged uh hasbro us product so you don't have your bob reckons uh wait, sitting around to be interviewed uh for, for this side of things um what we so mainly uh, the big difference is here, of course, um, and, and something we want to focus on in the book is that the the vehicles were reproduced over here uh, in in Ireland uh, for for the European market, and that's something we really want to explore in this. Uh, we're, we're we're reaching out to trying to get um, interviews with people who worked in the Hasbro Ireland operation, um, because the uh, the tooling would all, would have been lent from Hasbro US. Um, after after Hasbro US were finished it, they were sending that tooling all around the world for uh, to be reproduced in, in local markets. So items like um, 
items like the hydrofoil and the and the havoc and um, the tactical battle platform, the Stinger Jeep. They were all they were all manufactured here in Ireland, um, and that's something we want to bring out because even though it's not there's uh, it's not as radically different as say the Palatoy Action Force sometimes was, where you got an you know entirely different color of a his tank and so on. You actually did get a lot of slight variations in the product. Um, I think we were looking at the other day at the differences between the GI Joe Devilfish and the Action Force Devilfish, yeah. and it's actually quite noticeable the color difference. The the the, the Irish made version is much much brighter. Um, like it's 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 uh, it's almost fluorescent orange as opposed to kind of more reddish version that the US have, um, and and there was quite a lot of those little. Not often that massively different, but there are a lot of differences in in the in the colours, particularly uh, for for the GI Joe vehicles. The whale, for example, is is very different in terms of its uh, colour scheme, um, and and I believe the havoc is as well. So there, there's all the, there is all these little moderately uh, difference uh, differences in the product, um, just because again it was produced it was produced for this market and they didn't all didn't always use the same Pantone colour. Yeah, well, it's the days before the Pantone grid, wasn't it? I mean, was mm -hmm. that a thing then? I think Pantone what was it was a thing in the in the eighties, but um, but yeah, I'm not sure how, uh, how what, what kind of if there was strict adherence like in manufacturing side of it. But but as as Paddy said, the that 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 the Irish manufacturing aspect is something that we definitely want to explore more in in, in this book and. Uh, and, and as part of our research, we're uh, aggressively trying to find former employees from the factory from that era uh, that, that will speak to us. Um, it would be great to get someone on the, the, the manufacturing side of it, uh, you know, and, and get insights as to what was kind of going on, um, you know, in terms of, of uh, you know, the, the, the Irish production uh, side of the process. Using a PMS color is not uh sacred right it doesn't always help the last the rattler we did as a san diego comic-con exclusive was supposed to be a deep crimson and had the right bms color scent and we still got back this fuchsia pink thing and we saw it we went wow that's really not what we wanted let's call them right away and they said yeah we already did the whole run I'm like that's just mm. fabulous so so even 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 when you would think something as exacting as the the perfect PMS color to replicate different factory different even same factory different time it's not always spot on so and mm -hmm. I don't know if that was a frustration at all at the time but it's it's cool now right like those mm -hmm. slight color variations are fantastic for the diehard collectors who need you yes. know all nineteen his tanks ever including their paint variations all over the place. And, so. and obviously there's even stuff like uh, packaging variations, even beyond the whole, it's action force now. Um, they often change the art as well because figures that were being released in the US that are in you know driving a vehicle are not being released in UK and Ireland. So they would remove those figures and replace them with other figures. Um, probably the most noticeable one is tactical battle platform in the US has a Skyhawk in the box art, and they removed that for the um, for the UK and Ireland release because Skyhawk was never released here, so there was no point in putting a, a an image of a, of a vehicle 
on the you know landing on the tactical platform when that vehicle wasn't going to come out here, um, so they just uh, got rid of that uh, piece of artwork from the from the box art. It's never as easy as a. <laughs> Right. Well, cer certainly not. <laughs> certainly not back then, right? Brian's 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 grinding his t-shirt at me, at me right. making that gesture. But uh, right. yeah, but it's it's it, again, it's it's something that you know, I didn't I didn't notice that until I saw a boxed American tactical battle platform, and I'm like, oh, it's different. Right. Um, but again, it's it's just uh, uh, again, it's just one of those things. And of course, the tactical battle platform here is a different color. Again, it's a it's a different shade of the same of, of gray as well. It's like noticeably different. Um, but yeah, it's it's just these little it's just these little things. So it's it's not as um it's not as again wildly different as the Palatoy stuff sometimes could be. Um, but it is it is kind of interesting, I think, to us diehard collectors to, to know that this stuff was was just a little bit off uh from from what we're used to or what you may have been used to well you know some of the things um uh and this is going to be covered in the book but some of the things that some of the differences are a little bit more obvious as well and you know th this particular book will follow a similar format to, to the first book so we'll we'll talk about the toys we're going to talk about the comics the comic creators and then there'll be the uh, you know the, the like the mythology like the, the the file cards effectively, because they're the three things that make up or define what Action Force is, um, Action Force International Heroes is. But you know, coming to that thing about the differences there, um, everyone knows uh, Silent Interlude, that you know kind of famous story, and, and that was reprinted in the Action Force comic. So. The Action Force comics had new material, brand new material that was created by the, the, the Marvel UK team. And then it had a, a backup strip of the, which was a reprint from the Real American Hero comic from the States. So when they reprinted Silent Interlude, they made some changes. And one of the first things they did was they created a prologue. So that the, the, the British team created a prologue leading up to Silent Interlude where, where Scarlet gets captured and uh and i think snake eyes even speaks in that prologue that's a big big change to the character and then then and then it runs silent interlude uh, that that story runs in the next issue and even in that story there's a change so you know when destro was looking at the chessboard and he picks up the baroness chess piece well in in the, the british version of silent interlude he picks up the storm shadow chess piece and that's because it ties into a bigger arc that the, the British writers were working on, um, uh, which was going to you know, be developed you know, further in the, in, in the comics line. Um, and then they created an epilogue as well uh, as, as part of that. So Silent Interlude in, in, in the, over here got a prologue and an epilogue that's not part of the, the, the United States continuity and even a change to the artwork as well. So th that's a fairly significant change. So you guys, obviously, you grew up with with the Action Force, the the, the Action Force Weekly comic. What's uh, just as fans now? What what's the biggest change for you now that you're you're uh, more familiar with the American lexicon of things and uh, versus what you grew up with? What's 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 the uh, one that makes you gives you a little bit of whiplash when you? <laughs> Uh, the fact that Quick Kick in actually international heroes is a team martial artist and not Snake Eyes. 
is is the big thing that I noticed. Uh, so uh, quick kick is takes the place that Snake Eyes probably would take in, in the in the in the American continuity, and he's and he's much more of a major character. He gets a handful of panels maybe in in um, a real American hero. Um, he has a couple of stories that he's in, and one of those being the one where he dies. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and you know, he's, he's 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 sometimes seen in the pitch. And there, there's yeah. that uh, issue that has him in training in the pitch uh, with him bashing the the cobra dummies in the face with his nunchucks. But in um, in Action Force Weekly, he is uh, has a couple of major story arcs. He has a uh, uh, and he's used as a tie-in as well. Um, so as well as printing Larry Hammond's run as a backup strip, uh, Marvel UK would put in similar strips as backups into, into the Action Force and Transformers UK comics. And for Action Force, one of the backup strips was the 1970s run of Shang-Chi. Um, the Doug Moinecki, uh, Paul Gulancy uh, run on Shang-Chi, the one that introduced Razor Fists and characters like that. To justify having Shang-Chi as the backup strip, they had a one-page preview prologue um, where Quick Kick introduces Shang-Chi uh, and indicates that they have been, you know, friends for a long time and, um, you know, competing martial artists in tournaments and so on and, and, and things like that. And that prologue page actually was some of Grant Morrison's first ever comics work yeah. wow. uh, as a writer. Um, so it's again, it's just one of those things where you're like, okay, so in in Marvel UK, Quick Kick and Chang Chi are friends. <laughs> yeah. They they get on, they're colleagues, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's a it's it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, I, I was kind of you know agree with Patty on that. I mean that that's that's one of those big significant changes. Snake Eyes doesn't really. I mean, it's, it's not that he doesn't get a look in because he is an important character in the international heroes continuity for, for sure. But Quick Kick is kind of a bigger deal, you know, 100%. Um, and Palatoy Snake Eyes nearly didn't exist, you know. Mm. Um, but for, for me, one of the big things that, that, that I'm noticing is how less of a role Cobra Commander plays in the, 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 the British continuity he's you know he does exist he does make an appearance but he he gets very little page time he's he's like you know he's a bad guy somewhere on the other side of the world he's not really involved with what's happening on on you know on the european scene that's all destro um he's the guy in charge of everything he's the main guy, bad guy the main antagonist to action force is destro and even though like that relationship of like mars and cobra that, that's still you know that that's preserved in the British continuity. So Mars is its own thing, and, and Destro is the arms dealer. He's the guy in a mask. He's, um, but he's much more influential in terms of Cobra operations. Like he really is in charge, and he he's uh, what was it? He's the main bad guy, um, and that's so. It's, yeah, they'd be the two of the biggest you know real noticeable differences between the British comics and and the American comics. Yeah, I, I got a hold of some of the issues of of um, back in I don't know I was I was living in Kansas City so about twenty years ago, um, and I was always taken with by how much Footloose we got. But again, another guy who just never appeared really in the in the American comics. He showed up. He was in his first appearance, and you see him a couple more times in the background, and and that's it. 
And but man, he 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 had his he had a, a a couple of spotlights just in the six to eight issues that I managed to get a hold of. So yeah, there's, there's and, and, a and, 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 sorry, sorry, I was going to say and Bazooka as well, um, who gets almost no uh, page count in in Larry Hama's comic, uh, gets a lot in 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 Action Force. Uh, it seems as if and you know we're speculating here. We have to talk to. You know, the likes of Richard Starkings or Simon Furman before we can confirm this, but it would seem as if they've deliberately selected characters that that maybe weren't getting the page time in in America to allow them to create their own kind of unique continuity over here. Um, and, and and from the get go, you know, on the I think on the first page or two of of, of issue number one, they outline that you know Action Force. Is, is led by Flint over here in, in Britain. And then Duke, uh, or sorry, I think it's, I think they say at the time it's Duke is leading um, Action Forces United States contingent under the, the banner G.I. Joe. So they let you know straight away there's a G.I. Joe and there's, a, there's an Action Force and G.I. Joe is in America and Action Force is over here. And this is our team. So it was the core team at the beginning is Lady J, it's Flint, it's Barbecue, uh, it's Footloose. And and they're the operatives on the very first mission in, in issue number one. I think it's really interesting to to learn that having Snake Eyes be vocal and have him talk would limit his popularity because I thought Paramount came out with that idea. I didn't realize that was a. Well, you see, G.I. Joe Origin Snake Eyes was actually an adaptation of the Action Force cartoon comics rather than G.I. Joe. That's not, not exactly a ringing endorsement there, Patty. But Henry, 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 Henry Golding, Henry Golding is like, well, in my in, when I was a young kid, Snake Eyes spoke. So I'm going to speak. Right. Because, uh, you know, he's he's a Brit. Right. <laughs> and manipulate people and steal things. And it's going to be fabulous. Yeah. Generally not be a hero. But... <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, I don't want to. That, that tore the bandaid right off, didn't it? Ah, you know. Hey. I want to be. I want to be direct. It saves time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, Brian, you you spent a, a good amount of your time the last few months uh, taking some pictures for this. Why don't you, go ahead? Is there anything you can you can give us as an advanced tease? For somebody who's maybe on the fence and, and wants to see some of the great work that you've done as far as putting together images for this book absolutely um and you know we have the, the bulk of the, of the shots are, are done but there's still going to be more photography to do uh between now and and when we actually release the book and again you know the, the, the timeline is going to be similar to last year we expect to have this in backers hands before the just before the end of the year so, uh, but it, coming back to your question about images, um, can I can I share my screen? Yes. How do I oh, share? Here we go. Uh, share screen. Um, we can go through a few of them, but there's one of, of Doctor Mindbender. That uh, he's one of these characters that I just think he's he's a really badass character. When you look at that design of that figure, he's just nuts. I mean, the design is just crazy. And so I wanted to kind of do a picture with Mindbender that made him look as, as badass as, as I think he is. And uh, so here's a shot here where Mindbender is kind of jumping off some sort of balcony in his lab and Action Force have just kind of, you know, busted in. 
and uh you know there's explosions and stuff happening in there all of this is in camera there's no special effects in photoshop um i've got a very cleverly placed uh stand which is well, keeping mind bender up in the air and um it's you know it, it's it's the, this is how i kind of love to play with my toys <laughs> for for want of a better term um this is really what it is i'm just playing with my toys so in in this particular what we, we did share this in one of the groups, uh, you know, a little while back. And um, one of the comments I got was that um, this mind bender is a little bit more badass than we're used to. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I, I thought was a great comment, but, but I just think he's a badass looking character. And uh, so what the, I like so, that mind bender has always been like half evil scientist and half pro wrestler. So I like that he's finally coming off the top rope, right? Dropping that exactly. elbow on somebody down there. <laughs> exactly. Um, there's, a, there's another shot in there as well with the, the Moray and a, a couple of Cobra vehicles. And and this is... Um, on, oh, there's Televiper. The, I just think the Televiper is a brilliant, um, again, a brilliantly designed figure. I think he looks great. And, and how he's illustrated in the comics, he looks really really great you know um so I, I wanted to kind of get some something kind of like a moody type of shot with the televiper he's working on some you know, some gear and uh you know get the lighting right so it's like he's inside a, a cobra base or something um so th that that's a great figure to work with and looking forward to doing a few more shots with that particular character and there's the moray with the with the, the night attack jeep or the stinger the cobra stinger is that's actually just Paddy's Moray there. Was it tough for you to find a stinger that had four full missiles? Mine are crumbling like dust. Do you know those missiles there? Well, that particular stinger, that that's a, a made of Aris Carol O'Connor. Um let, let me borrow that particular piece, you know, for these shots. And his his collection is in it's I mean it's in really, really nice, pristine condition. Um, and, and that stinger is in great nick. I mean, it really is super. But I know what you're talking about. I had a stinger as a kid. And and even when I had it back in the 80s, um, the rockets were just, I couldn't get them to stay on. They were broken and they were in bits, you know? Yeah, that bright red has not aged well. It's like uh, if you're a Transformers fan and you, you have anything with gold, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. plastic, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I only, I only, I only bought that Moray recently as well. Um, it was someone, someone in one of the groups I'm in was selling it. And I'm like, I think I'll be able to use that for something. Um, I didn't, I never realized how big it was because I never had it as a kid. Uh, one of my neighbors had it, I think. And getting it again, seeing it again, I'm like, oh my god, this thing is huge. <laughs> the beast. I, I honestly don't know where I'm going to put it. I might end up just, uh, when we're done with it for the book, I might end up selling it on because I don't know if I have anywhere to put it. <laughs> you can't do that, Patty. It's it's, it's just, yeah, the, the, the sheer size of it, I just can't get over it. It's 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 not quite RoboSkull Mark II, but it's not far off it. Um, it's the, how much space it takes up. But, uh, but it's such a good toy, and there's so much going on in it. Um, yeah. in terms of playability and features and so on, it's it's a really really excellent excellent toy. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's absolutely super, and and the Moray features very heavily in the in the comics as well. So the the, the you know the UK comics, 
Um, so you know, it, it's one of the you know, photography is going to take a lot of inspiration from the UK comics. So not in terms of kind of reproducing scenes, but more what we were getting kind of over here. That's what we want to kind of it, it's it's the it's the British Irish story of action for so everything that we do needs to be kind of faithful to that uh, part of the mythology, you know? Gotcha. And then of course, there's a, there's a shot in there with the, oh, there's the, there's the Moray again. This is actually one of our special prints that we have available with the um, Thunder Machine pledge level. And you can actually add it on to your, to, to any other pledge level as well, if, if you want to. Uh, so there'll be six eight by ten prints, and there's also going to be a an A2 poster uh, as well. So we're revealing those over the course of the campaign, and we're going to drop another print reveal tomorrow. But what we're looking at at here is that we've got the moray. This is actually a the based on one of the uh, monthly covers, uh, Action Force monthly covers, um, which is which is set in Venice. And all of the, the bonus prints will kind of be a pay homage to one of the Action Force covers uh, that, that, that were run over here back in the 80s. I absolutely adore the surf effect you have down there on the water. That's incredible. And I think it's, it's so realistic, it might not get the credit it deserves because your eye kind of glances over it because it just looks like an actual wake being kicked up. But that's, that's just outstanding work. And, and oh. if I'm not mistaken, that's cotton balls, right? It, it is, yeah. It's it's cotton balls, but you, you know, I, I, you pull them apart to to kind of spread out the cotton as much as possible and make it for for this, make it fairly fine, and uh, and then you just get that nice spray effect. It's um, and of course, you know, the blast effects coming off the cannons, they're just straws. <laughs> See, I was I was paying attention when you guys did that. Uh... That panel of rollout roll call all those years ago. I was I was paying mm -hmm. attention. I hope they're paper straws though, because those plastic straws, you know, they're ruining the environment and all. They're killers. Yeah. Well, I, I reuse all my plastic straws. Uh, I bought one pack years ago, and I'm still using that same pack. Don't don't, <laughs> don't dignify this with a defense, Brian. Right. He's just being a butt. So wait, if anybody uses a nicely orange or yellow colored straw. For actual drinking in the Hickey household, are they in huge trouble? I imagine. <laughs> what are you yeah, doing with that straw? Put it back. That's and a blast effect. Put that away. Right. You would have had to go up to my studio and kind of go rooting through my props. And I'm like, <laughs> you don't know where that straw has been. <laughs> Did you put milk in my blast effect? Oh, that would be terrible. That would be... <laughs> that's, a, that's a sentence that makes no sense to anyone not on this on this panel. That's it. <laughs> see, it on, see it on a t-shirt. This is another one of the the eight by ten prints. This is again. So you, Paddy mentioned earlier about you know Bazooka getting a bit more page time um, that, than he did in the, the say the Hammer comics. This this is a cover based on. Uh, it's the cover for, for a particular issue where Bazooka is testing some uh, some, some new weaponry on, on a firing range and the Dreadnoughts, it's Buzzer and Ripper kind of come in on their bikes and they, they steal this particular gun and he jumps in the awe striker and goes, you know, it's, it's hot pursuit across the countryside into the local town and they end up in a big shopping mall 
and uh, so and on this particular cover he's crashing through one of the windows in the stores um to, to, to get away from being shot by by ripper uh with the actual secret weapon so it's uh so again that that's an homage to, to that particular cover um i think that's issue number well i'm, I'm gonna guess it's number 34 but it could be it could be totally wrong on that <laughs> all right we'll uh we'll certainly cover it on the quiz later and obviously this is the homage to issue number one the the very first uh, action force cover for, for marvel uk that was illustrated by jeff senior and really, it, it highlights your, your three main characters you've got lady j flint and footloose and they're the core team for, in those early issues for sure and this will hi highlight how little i know did lady j use a crossbow regularly in the uk comics She's shown. She's shown using it. Yeah, she is actually shown using bows and arrows uh, quite quite often. But you know what? My my feeling is that Scarlet might have been illustrated in first, and then it was edited to look like Lady Jane. There might have been a change came from higher. Now I'm, I'm speculating here, but uh, it might have been easier then to edit. You know the, the to, you know to keep the the, the crossbow. But to change the rest of the character to look like uh, like Lady J, because Scarlet is, Scarlet is right handed. We all know that. So, and in the um, uh, <laughs> it, it, Lady J is not wearing a hat on that particular cover, so it, it, it could well be that that she was you know painted as Scarlet first and then edited later to, to be Lady J. Okay. And of course, here's here's the cover of the book now this is an all-new illustration correct it is indeed patty do you want to talk about mike and, and the front cover yes so um we we obviously for the first volume we you uh, brian made a collage of existing battle action force art uh, mostly using vanyo's uh, artwork when we were planning this book i suggested that we try get a commission to cover um because we didn't think we'd have the art assets, we, we wanted to do something that uh, paid homage to the cover for volume one. Um, and could be, so there would be a, like a direct continuation uh, of, of, of that from cover. Um, but we didn't think we'd have the art assets to do that, um, you know, to get, you know, characters in particular poses and so on. So I suggested to Brian that we reach out to one of the um, Action Force UK artists and ask them to do something for us. Uh, now, I, I'd met Mike Collins before. Uh, Mike was a writer and artist on Action Force uh, UK, and it was some of his first work. Um, I emailed uh, Mike out of the blue and said, listen, we are interested in getting a cover. You know, we had done this previous volume of this book. We want to do a new volume um, and we'd like to commission a cover for it. We wanted it to be because the cover for volume one is very good guy focused. Um, we asked, you know, would we be able to do something that would be bad guy focused uh, for, for volume two? Um, and we suggested characters like, you know, we wanted Destro to be there and, um, you know, very prominent because he's very prominent in the comic. Um, you know, we suggested some vehicles, we suggested some um, some other characters, you know, we asked, we asked for certain other things as well. And, and Mike took it away and he came back with this. Um, so he sent us, uh, initially he sent us a, a, a 
a rough thumbnail of, of what he was going to do. Uh, and it's slightly different to what we got in the end. Uh, he included a couple of different vehicles here um, than, than he had planned. But he said to us that he was having so much fun that he, he literally couldn't stop uh, uh, drawing because he, obviously he, this is his first chance to revisit these characters in some time. Um, so you see there we have obviously Destro front and centre. We have the Awe Striker with Roblox, Lady Jane Flint. We have the Baroness there. He also threw in a couple of, I guess you'd call them Easter eggs. Um, he, he said, you know, well, some of these vehicles, they're, they're not from the era of the comics that you're dealing with, but I wanted to draw them. Um, so if you look very, very closely, you see the Cobra Liquidator, uh, the, the water firing jet in there. Um, I believe that the Dreadnought Cycle that was released as part of Pursuit of Cobra is in there as well. Um, and the and my personal favorite, the um, he drew he drew the tiger rat uh, as well. Uh, I I initially looked at it and thought it was a rattler, and we showed the cover to Chris and Chris Chris McLeod and Chris is like, you know, that's a tiger rat, right? And I looked, you know, zoomed in really really closely. I'm like, oh, it is. It's got the stripes and it's got the mouth and everything. Um, uh, so I'm very, very happy with that. I'm a big Tiger Force aficionado. For, so for him to throw in a Tiger Force vehicle as well is, is something I'm very happy with. But um, yeah, I love I love the cover. I think it's a beautiful piece of art. Uh, Mike could not be uh, easier to do with. He's, and, you know, he's he's a great artist. He's gone on, you know, to work. Uh, mainly as a storyboard artist. He'd be, he's been a storyboard artist in Doctor Who for quite some time. Concept designer on Doctor Who as well uh, for the, you know, from the modern era. Doctor Who, mm -hmm. um, and uh, he's a concept artist and storyboard artist for The Witcher on Netflix as well. So he's right. going, you know, he moved on from comics to, to doing storyboarding and, and concept art in a big way. So to have someone you know, of his caliber work on working a book for us is, is great. Yes. Um, we're hoping if we hit one of our stretch goals um, for 45,000 euro, we'll be able to commission some more art from him and the other surviving Action Force UK artists. Um, the good thing about uh, Action Force UK, um, uh, Marvel UK's Action Force, is that the, the creators were all very young when they were working on it. So they're all still alive and still kicking. Um, and most of them are still working in the industry. So that means we're able to get a lot more interviews uh, with the comics creators this time around. Uh, whereas with uh, the Palatoy uh, Battle Action Force era, most of those guys were veterans before they started working on Action Force and were at the end of their careers and, uh, and so on. Whereas with the Marvel stuff, they were all guys at the start of their careers who went on to become, you know, bigger names. As I said to you before, you know, you had Grant Morrison writing it, you know, as one of his first published works. Uh, I know I saw Brian Hitch talk about Action Force the other day on Twitter and he mentioned that it was his second ever job Wow. Um, was was inking uh, Action Force over Mike Collins's pencils. He was the inker. Um, yeah, there's a story arc. Uh, that's a, that's a prologue page you were talking about. For yeah, uh, there's, yeah, that was yeah. There's that, and he also put up. I think it was a page for the story Destro Down and Out. Um, he mentioned that that was his second job, and that was inking Mike Collins's. Um, uh, pencils for that storyline so and obviously brian hitch went on to you know uh right draw the ultimates and draw fantastic four and draw justice league and and all those big name characters he went um, on to brian hitch he went on to be brian hitch yeah um <laughs> which is a uh, which is something and obviously grant morrison went on to become grant morrison and um so it's been great because you know the the era of comics that these guys 
a lot of these guys moved on to US comics in the 90s and early 2000s. And that's kind of my era. That was when I was getting into comics. Um, so a lot of these artists uh, went on to do American work that I'm very, very fond of. Um, you know, personally, it's stuff I would have read, you know, as a teenager and so on. So to be able to interview these guys and talk to these guys and hopefully commission these guys to do new Action Force work. Um, it's something I'm really, really looking forward to, to doing if, if we get that stretch goal hit. Yes. Now, that's a, a really nice segue, because uh, let's take a minute to talk about the campaign itself and where it's at. As we mentioned earlier, uh, just under $30,000, um, which in, in U.S. funds, the, the, the goal is about 38000 So off to a great start. Uh, why don't we talk about more about the stretch goals for this project? It's a little different than it was for the previous book. Uh, Brian, go ahead. Well, one of the first stretch goals we have is to double the dioramas. So that will add 16 extra pages to the book. That'll bring it from 176 up to 192, and which is the same number of pages as uh, volume one. And when we were working on volume one, we had so much great content that we actually cut some of the dioramas from the from the book. So what we our plan now with this one is to, to try and get more diorama shots in there. Um, so the first stretch goal is called Double the Dios. The second stretch goal, which Paddy mentioned there, will be to commission brand new Action Force art from some of the creative team that worked on the UK comics. So many of the artists who have agreed to be interviewed have also agreed to do uh, commissioned work for the book if we unlock that second stretch goal, which is at, I think as Paddy said, 45k. Um, and then th we have a third stretch goal set at 50k, which will allow us to reprint a soft cover edition of volume one. There's a lot of people missed out on that the first time around. It was way more popular than we thought it was going to be. And uh, we're still getting requests from people trying to get their hands on it. And you know, over the course of this campaign, there's been a lot of direct messages to ourselves and comments on, on the campaign asking for you know, a soft cover of volume one. So if we hit the 50K euro, volume one's going to be unlocked, the, the, the soft cover reprint, and that will then get added to the campaign as, as an add-on. You can add it to your existing pledge, and it'll also be added as a pledge level on its own. So if you're specifically a Palatoy fan, if that's your thing, um, you'll be able to get a soft cover edition of volume one on its own. Excellent. That's what I mean. Folks have even asked asked us about that. Like, hey, what can we do to get a hold of, uh, of Volume One? Well, right, volume pledge one. early and pledge pledge early and pledge often. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's it's something we we asked uh, permission to do it again. Um, we'd have to pay a licensing fee again. Yeah, because you know they never let you do anything for free these days. Nope. Um, but it's something you know, a lot of people have asked us for it. Um, even even during the first campaign, you know, the hardback you know the hardbacks cost what they cost because of the premium nature of the product soft cover should come in a little bit cheaper i think i think the idea is that it'll be about 65 euro for a soft cover um as opposed to 85 euro plus postage for the, the um the hardback so it's it, it, you know it's it's a it's a decent little saving there um same content obviously just literally use the soft cover we might fix some of the typos as well because even though myself and brian read through that first volume one text multiple occasions we I still spot typos oh, yeah. uh, killing I us think, uh, you don't you don't see the them until you, 
Yeah, you, you don't see them until it's actually printed and bound. Uh, it's like magic or something. Um, so that will that will allow us again. Yeah, we'll be able to reprint volume one and get that into people's hands for for anybody who missed it. Um, and you know, I I hope we get there. Uh, I'm 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 you know, we it, it's one of those things. Kickstarters are very very funny. You get loads of money in the first two days, and you get little or nothing in the middle 20 something days right. and then you get loads of money in the last two days so um it's, it's one of those things where you know we can we can see that people are watching and want to, and you know to pledge to remind themselves to pledge and we're like there's more than enough people watching this that if they all pledged today we'd have unlocked the uh the, the reprint already um right. it's 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 just a, it's just the nature of these things you're like why are you 400 people waiting <laughs> you know to kind of back up what paddy's saying there if if you know anybody's kind of following the campaign but hasn't pledged um, yet, but is, but is seriously thinking of backing the book, you know, back it now. You're not going to be charged until after the campaign ends anyway. So it makes no difference if you back today or if you back it on, you know, 9 a.m. on May the 5th, you know, a few hours before it ends. Right. So, you know, back at the day, if we can unlock those stretch goals. There's a bigger window there for people to get in and uh, add the, the the volume one soft cover to their pledge to do that as well. Now it will be available if it does unlock at the last minute. We'll have it available somewhere else to pre-order after that the campaign ends. So you know it's it, it, it's not you know all or nothing, but you know you know why wait till then if you can secure your copy today, pledge it today. We'll unlock it ASAP and. Uh, you know, and you'll you'll have more time then to add that to your pledge at that stage. Right. And, and 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 we should we, we should we should also say that these are uh, these are limited print runs of both books. Um, these are again the first the volume one hardback was we literally printed just barely enough to uh, to cover what we needed to print. Um, I think we did was it two sixty two seventy in the end of that. Yes. Um, and. And, and it's the same, you're talking the same quantities for volume two, and you're talking, I think it's 200 is the minimum order quantity on the soft cover reprint. So there's not going to be tons of them, even if um, even if everything unlocks, um, there's still not going to be huge numbers of them. And getting it on the aftermarket would be, I would imagine, would be tricky enough, um, even even if everything you know unlocks. So it is, it is if you are interested in getting the books, it's, it's in your interest to pledge now and try and try get it now exactly it's the best way to, to make sure you get a book and it's also the cheapest way to get a book because it gets a lot more expensive after the facts yes yes look aftermarket secondary market that it's that's a that's a whole extra level of people that you got to pay off mm -hmm. yeah cut out the middleman pledge now get it out of the way early so uh, we'll we'll bring this into the station. I know Brian, you got to get going. You got to feed hungry kids or something. Pancho, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the last time you had to worry about feeding kids, don't you let them forage? No, dude, I, I I cook a lot, but right today I sleep, so I got to get my beauty sleep in. This doesn't happen naturally. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's what is uh, Brian Hickey? What's one thing you want everybody to know to get them to pledge this book? Oh well, do you know what? The, the, if you think that Action Force is just a repaint of of G.I. Joe, you're, you're not getting the full story there. There is that element, but there's a lot of 
uniqueness to the action for story and originality to us um and, and a brilliant creative team to, to, to you were, were, were assembled to bring that proper property to life and if you want to learn more about what makes action force really unique and different um and, and it's a little bit more than just red shadows you want to get your hands on this book it's it's going to be a great complement to your, your collection it will look fantastic it'll be a visual feast as you read through it it, it really will celebrate the brand and uh, and you'll learn something you know about hasbro and about action force that you, you didn't know before Pretty Patty Lennon, what's one thing you want people to know about this book before they order it? Um, it's official. Uh, we went to all the trouble of getting Hasbro Publishing and Hasbro Legal to sign off on this. So um, again, like the like like the first book, um, we harassed Hasbro until they gave up and and decided to let us do this officially as a as a as as, as, as I guess we're getting a license. Um, <clears throat> They're giving the GI Joe license to anybody these days, but apparently uh, <clears throat> the Action Force license as well. Action Force. <clears throat> so um, more careful about who they give Action Force licenses to. Only yes, us. yes. The, only us. We're the only people to get an Action Force license um, in, in the last forty odd years. So um, uh, please do back it. Like I said, it is official, um, uh, and you know we put everything we could into the first volume. Um, you know, our heart and soul went into that, uh, and and we intend doing the same for volume two. Um, if you, you know, we don't, you know, the the, I think the quality of volume one speaks for itself. The battle years, you know, the 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 work we put in, myself, you know, Brian and David put in, we we gave it our all. We intend doing the same for volume two. Yes. Yeah, and and uh, Mark and I'll certainly vouch for that. We've been uh, sitting here proudly proudly displaying our volume ones on several occasions over the course of the podcast. Uh, but it is, it is no joke. It is, it is for real. It is a beautiful volume. Uh, you guys should really j just be commended at every level on the work that went into that and the product that you put out there. It, it's, it's truly fantastic. Thanks, and I wish, we had, I, I wish we had Thanks, a little guys. more time to talk about that book, but we'll have to save that for another time. Cause again, Brian's got starving children. <laughs> Any any last words? Well, do you know uh, what? I'm going to give a big thanks to everyone who's back so far. Thank you so much. And 179 of you. Thank you so much, every single one of you. And do you know what? I also want to give a big thanks, uh, shout out of thanks to a lot of the Irish-based collectors who we've reached out to to uh, allow us to photograph items from their collections for this book. They've been very, very generous. Um with, with their with their time with their collections and, and and really supportive of what we're doing so every single one of those guys thank you so much there's too many people to mention and if i try to mention them now i will forget someone so I'll just make it a very general thanks now but they, they will be they will be uh, mentioned and noted in the book uh, when it's printed every single one of them and thank you guys really really appreciate that patty you got anything to add well, thank you guys for having us on a couple of times to promote these things. Um, always, always a pleasure to I come onto our spiritual home of, um, you know, you're, you're the reason of, for my, you're the reason behind myself and Brian's love story. Um, so uh, it's it's always nice to come to come home to the outside of what's on your mind. That's right. What's on Joe's mind? Your source for bromance for over a decade. Yep. <laughs> That's what we do here: GI Joe and bromance. Mm -hmm. Yay!
Yeah, I, I wonder what Joe Colton would say about that if she were here. <laughs> <laughs> but, gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. Uh, as you know, we I I every time I say it, but I, I wish we had three times as long just to to sit and and, and go through everything. But uh, it's it's always a pleasure to have you. Anytime you need some of our airtime, all you have to do is say the word. We love having you. Uh, we love who you are and what you do. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank thanks Mike. Thanks, Mark. Thanks to Joe as well. Really, really appreciate it. So if, if you're out there and you're still with us at this point and you're wondering, hey, how do I go pledge this wonderful project? What you do is you head over to kickstarter.com and you type in the little search engine, Total Action Force. This book will pop right up for you. It's right there. Again, it's over 75% complete as we speak right now. Uh, hopefully it's got a little bit of a bump by the time this thing hits the air in a couple of days. Uh, but let's get this done. Let's get this over the top and 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 funded, and then we can start getting on some stretch goals. And the longer those stretch goals run, the better this is for everything. And maybe even uh, a good jump into volume three. There we go. And volume three, three D. See what I did there? Comes with glasses. It's gonna be amazing. That, that was <laughs> Fingers crossed. I'm just here to help. Right. Again, put the request into Hasbro Legal now. We know how long it takes them. <laughs> uh, for, for my guests, Brian Hickey and Patty Lennon, uh, for my co-host, the hot Joe Mark Weber, I'm Mike Irizarry. Thanks for joining us here on What's on Joe Mind, Special Edition 74. We will catch you the next time around. Have a great rest of the day. Yo, Joe, and full Yo, Joe, and full force. Yo, Joe, and full force. And beer. Getting the, the 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 Facebook messages are pinging there. We want our dinner, so I'm gonna ah. have to write it. <laughs> Get well, out I, while you can, Brian. I'll be honest. I was hoping to see some like the crawling up to the screen and dragging you off zombie style, but you know. <laughs> <laughs>